fam. How you doing this morning? Uh, we got some of the family from Canada, Jamaica, and Colombia. What's up, Jamaica? What's up? Hey, we got everybody here today. Hey, uh, I'm excited particularly about today because I have had today circled on my calendar for quite a while because it's a big one. Okay, it's a big, so pray for your boy. Pray for your boy today. This is a big one. Um, so if you are new with us, let me just kind of catch you up real quick. Uh, we've been spending pretty much this entire year walking through the, the greatest sermon that was ever preached, Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And believe it or not, we spent seven months in two chapters of the Bible. And now we are kind of boldly uh, into the home stretch, pressing into Matthew chapter seven, where we are, we are talking about the golden rule. And everybody knows the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? And here's kind of what we're endeavoring to ask and to answer is, how do we respond to people when they start peopling? Come on, you know, you know what I'm talking, like when people, people, what do you do? All right, so do me a favor, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm finally gonna learn how to deal with you today. <laughs> All right, now turn to your other neighbor and say, I ain't got no beef with you. <laughs> There's a reason why you looked at the first one first. So we're going to walk through that today, okay? Uh, because, okay, today we're actually diving into what I would just honestly say is what I believe is Jesus's most difficult statement, the most difficult verse in the entire Bible for us to live out in today's world. And here it is, red letters, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, where Jesus says, do not judge. Y'all ready? All right. I heard this said the other day that uh, do not judge has actually taken the place of for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? Um, As the one verse in the Bible that everybody in the mama knows today, right? Come on. Like, have you ever ventured into the comment section on social media? Like, and, and somebody was brave enough to say a thought, they get bow, 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 like, Jesus said not to judge. You put down your stones, like all that sort of stuff, right? Like this is the one verse in the Bible that everybody knows. Now here's the deal. They don't know where it is in the Bible. They just heard that Jesus said it one time and they love it. They love it. They love it because when we take just this thought, do not judge, and we put it into a culture of acceptance, a culture of tolerance. How we interpret do not judge is everybody's beliefs are right. Who do you think you are to tell me I'm doing something wrong? Right? Like, like you don't have the right to tell me I'm wrong. Like, only God can judge me. Right? And we use this as a crutch. We use it to hide behind. Because actually, at the end of the day, there's this, there's this strange like contradiction that everybody's living in. Here's really what they're saying. When people say, don't judge, what they really mean is, don't judge me. Come on. Because listen, this is the world that says, don't judge. But the world is the worst about judging. Right? Like, they'll say, don't judge until you disagree with them, and then you're canceled. And so people really have no problem with the idea of judgment as long as they are the judge and somebody else is the defendant, right? Like we tell people not to judge us, but we feel completely justified judging them, right? We do this all the time. We do that all the time, right? We pick up our gavel and we judge and we condemn and we, sit, we look at an immigrant and we're like, I got you figured out. I know why you're here, taking our jobs. Come on, we look at our political enemy And we're like, oh, you're a Democrat? You voted for that guy? You're for those policies? (laughs) Come on, you're a Republican? You voted for that guy? You're for those policies? Come on, like one one of my pastor friends (laughs) a few weeks ago, he actually posted, he literally like put this out there. He said, Republicans are sinful, but Democrats are demonic.
and then we judge our pastor. <laughs> Come on. We judge the rich. You don't care about people. You judge the poor. You're lazy. We judge our spouse. You did that that one time. That's who you are forever. Oh, you wear a COVID mask? God, you figured out. Come on, guys. We make judgments all the time. But we live in this world that says, oh, don't judge. But I do it a lot. Do what I say. Don't do what I do. And that's because we live in a world where everybody knows that Jesus said, do not judge. But nobody knows what Jesus meant when he said, do not judge. And so context always matters. But especially here, you better believe that context matters. All right, so let's look at this. What is the context of Matthew 7, 1? So in order to get there, we're gonna read like about 11 verses, 12 verses here. Just get ready for it, okay? You may be like, I've never read that much of the Bible in my whole life. Just get ready, it's gonna be good. Okay, Matthew 7, 1, this is all red letters. Jesus said this, do not judge. And then he continues. Or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly enough to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Woo! All right. If you're anything like me, then you've always kind of read this as like a little mishmash of like random sayings that Jesus just kind of put together. And so they feel disconnected, but I'm here to tell you today, this is all connected. This is all helping to interpret everything that's said right through here, okay? And so let, let's, he's interpreting Matthew 7, 1 here. So here, let's just walk through it. If you are paying attention, Jesus doesn't say, don't judge, hard stop. No, what he actually says is this, in the way you judge, you will be judged. So in other words, if you are brave enough to step into actually beginning to make judgments, you better do it right. Because what you dish out is what you're about to get. In other words, if you do it wrong, they're gonna turn and tear you to pieces. Let's put it in in the golden rule. Jesus, in essence, says this, judge others as you would have them judge you. Guys, listen, Jesus never said to not make a judgment. Like just a few verses after this, right? He says, hey, beware of the false prophets. How do you know who's a false prophet? Unless you make a judgment. Okay, right here, Jesus said, hey, beware of the people who are pigs and dogs, which is next week. (laughs) Just come back, come back next week. But how do you know who's a pig and who's a dog if you don't make a judgment? Guys, I know we live in a world that says like, oh, all beliefs are right. But listen, we're required. It is good for the people of God to make a judgment. See, some some of y'all still don't believe me. Okay. We cannot watch a white supremacist shoot up a grocery store and then say, well, you know, Jesus said not to judge. Everybody's beliefs are right. No, we stand up and say evil, wicked, demonic. We make a judgment about that. Listen, when we see women and children being sexually exploited, we don't be like, well, you know, I mean, all beliefs are right, like Jesus said. No, wicked, evil, toxic. We gotta drive it out. We don't sit back and look at the murder of babies in the womb and be like, well, you know, no. Evil, wicked, demonic. Jesus is not saying to never judge. We are required to judge. We just better do it the right way. Listen, the, the, uh, I was thinking about this this last week. Um, my first meeting, literally my first meeting, when Summer and I launched Victory Hamilton Mill, Victory's campus up I-85 in 2010, my first meeting was with a husband 
whose wife was a leader in the church, and he was having an active affair. And he wanted to bring that woman to church with him. And I said, hey, big guy, let's have a meeting, right? And so I sit down, I ask him some questions, I ask what's going on, and sure enough, this guy wanted to, listen, listen, he wanted to live in an active affair, sit in the worship of the King of Kings, sit around the family of God, take his affair and rub it in his wife's face, and then act like there was nothing wrong with it. And I met with him. I heard it out. He had no problem with what he was doing. He was unrepentant. So you better believe I kicked that guy out of the church. You better believe I kicked that guy out of the church. And some of you are like, God would never do that. And to that, I say, have you ever read the Bible? Come on. Come on. All right, 1 Corinthians 9. I guarantee you haven't read, heard this one read in church. 1 Corinthians 5. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 9. Paul wrote, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy or swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave the world, which, by the way, is hilarious. <laughs> like, Paul was, Paul was a little comedian right there. He, here's what he's saying. He's like, guys, you, you shouldn't hang around with sexually immoral, like thieves, haters, all that sort of stuff. I mean, but, but if they're of the world and you couldn't hang around sexually immoral people, you just have to go to heaven. Because everybody's sexual moral out in the world. He said, he said, I'm not talking about the world, but now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an adulterer, a slanderer, a drunkard, or a swindler. Do not even eat with such people. Some of y'all sweating. Like, I, I didn't know that was in the Bible. Paul says, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you. All right. Sometimes you just got to let the Bible do the preaching itself. All right, listen. Next week, we're talking about how do we interact with people who are outside of faith in Jesus in light of the golden rule. This week, today, we're talking about how do we relate to other Christians in light of the golden rule. And Paul says it right there, guys. Paul says it right there. God will judge those outside the church. It's our job to judge those inside the church. So you better believe I kicked out that unrepentant, adulterous man from this church. Why? It was the best thing I could do for his wife. It was the best thing I could do for him. It was the best thing I could do for you guys. Because if I had not kicked him out, here's what I'm saying to his wife. We will not protect you. Here's what I'm saying to him. Your sin is no big deal. Here's what I'm saying to you guys. If you're the victim, we won't protect you. And by the way, sin, unrepentant, like blatant, rebellious sin isn't a big deal. Don't worry about it. Don't worry, like your clothes aren't on fire. Don't worry about it. Listen, we have removed people from victory who threatened other people. We've removed people from victory who were sowing gossip and strife and starting fires of division. We've removed people from victory who were sleeping around with multiple people kind of working their way through the church. You're like, why would, come on. That's, that's craziness. Why would we do that? Because part of my job as your pastor is to protect you from wolves. That's what a shepherd does. Lead, feed, and protect. Lead, feed, and protect. Lead, feed, and protect. Come on, lead, feed, and protect. In order to do that, we have to make judgments. We have to be able to look at something. We have to be able to judge what's happening right there. Do we always bat a thousand? No, we don't. But listen, it is our job. God commissions us to do this. And listen, I, I, I need to say this. I, it is my prayer today that God does something that I could never do, that the Holy Spirit does something that I could never do. And I believe it is past time for the people of God to recapture the pursuit of holiness. It is time for the people of God to rediscover the fear of the Lord again. It is, it is time for the people of God to recapture the severity of sin once again. 
This, this whole greasy grace and you can't judge me and I, I'm above reproach and I, no, no, only God can. Listen, we have got to lay that down. And it is my prayer for us today that God by his kindness, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It is my prayer that God would awaken us from our slumber today and bring us back by his kindness, back close to his heart, back to Christ likeness, back to discipleship. And here in Matthew 7, Jesus is telling us how to begin doing that. Okay, we're gonna walk this through in just a minute, but let's see this one more detail. Matthew 7, 5, Jesus says, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So Jesus says several big things here, but here's what he says. He says, remove the speck from where? Your brother's eye. So who's your brother? Right, that's very intentional language. Whenever you're reading the Bible and you, you see brother or sister, what's that talking about is brothers and sisters in the family of God. Right, uh, uh, people who are outside of faith in Jesus are not brothers and sisters. They're not a part. They're not children of God. I know we all argue about that. Listen, you are children of uh, of God. You're a child of God by faith in Jesus Christ alone. Jesus rolls on the scene and calls other people children of the devil. Listen, you are children of God through faith in Jesus. And so, what are we called to do? We're called to remove the speck from our brother's eyes. Okay. And here's the thought, guys. There are many of our brothers and sisters. Many of us in this room. You haven't been saved very long. You, you need somebody to help you. You need somebody to, to help you walk through the scriptures. You need, there, there are many of us, we don't know how to pursue the deeper things of God. There's many of us that we don't know how to get out of our addiction or to heal from our trauma or to be able to uh, process our pain and our shame. And so what we need is fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to kindly and lovingly put an arm around our shoulder and to walk with us in this. This is what Jesus is trying to get us to right here, guys. Jesus is calling us as, as brothers and sisters in Christ is to help the other saints get the sin specks out of their eyes. Get the sin, why? So they can pursue God and be better disciples. But here's the reality, guys. Almost no one does this well. In fact, if you think you do it well, I'm the most worried for you. Because, oh, no, man, I know how to tell people the stuff. I know how to point it out. Bro. Bro, and so where where we use where most people end up is on one of two extremes, right? One of two extremes. Either you are this like timid, like who am I? Like I sin all the time, and I'm just, I don't know. Like who am I to point out anybody else's sin in their life? And like I, don't, I got enough problems of my own. Or right now you're really excited, <laughs> like you were like favorite sermon already, bro. Like just stop right here. Let me hit the lobby, right? Come on. And so, listen, some of us need courage and some of us need restraint. In fact, let me take it a step further. If you're already getting pumped to hit the lobby after service or hit up some comment sections online, um, if, if you're like ready to blow up people like, oh, dude, that dude's got a tattoo. I got to talk to him. I'm going to go to Leviticus. <laughs> if you're like, bro, you offended me in 1998. I've been holding on to this. Though that guy's wearing a hat in the house of the living God, pagan idol worshiper. <laughs> hey, I heard that you drink alcohol. Let's have a conversation. <laughs> Throttle back. Throttle back. I, I say this in love. You have not been deputized as a holiness sheriff here inside the church. I need to tell you this in love that you are not God's gift to the church of Jesus to criticize it. You are not God's gift to your family to point out all their sins. We need to walk a little bit more humble. In fact, I was talking to Pastor Chris, who's, who's now the, the campus pastor up there at Hamilton Mill, and here's what he said this week. He said, we believe we're walking around with the spirit of discernment, but what we're really doing is judging everyone, and behind us is a trail of broken hearts and broken relationships. I wanna pause on that really quickly because I've heard this before. Like, I operate in the spirit of discernment, right? Um, I just need to tell you, that's not a thing. You're like, no, 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 there's a spiritual gift of discernment. No, there's not. There's a spiritual gift of the discerning of spirits, which is when you can look at a situation and know, is the devil at work or is God at work? What many of us call the, the spiritual gift of discernment is just a critical heart, fault-finding heart. I'm God's gift to everybody to let them know how big of a screw-up they are. And so sometimes you need to judge a tree by its fruit. And you need to turn around and you need to look at your wake. 
What's behind me? And there's a lot of dead bodies and a lot of broken relationships. You know, we say this a lot. If, if every one of your dating relationships is terrible, there's one consistent factor in all of your dating. All men are dogs. No, just the ones that you just keep dating for some reason. Why do you like dogs? That's a really good question. So let's look behind us. If I, why, why is everybody always so offended at me? That's a great question. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Because many of us have actually done exactly what Jesus says not to do. And we smack the gavel and we've condemned and we've, we've looked down on our brothers and sisters' lives. And here's the idea, guys, for today. Good judging is the ability to make a good judgment. It's the ability to discern between good and evil. It's the, between right and wrong. Be able to take, hey, here's what the scripture says. Here's my interpretation of the scripture. And I hold it up and I say, man, there's some dissonance there. Can we talk about that? Because many times what we do is actually move into the realm of what Jesus is talking about. So in Matthew 7, 1, when he says the word judge, that's actually the Greek word krino, okay? Krino, which means to condemn or to make a final judgment. And so here's the idea. Whenever we judge somebody's motives, come on, family. This is what, like, we always, we want, we judge other people by their actions, but we want people to judge us by our motives. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I didn't mean to do that. Well, they didn't mean to do that either, but I'm gonna judge you by that. Listen, when we move past the outside and we actually move to making, like, your motive sort of things, we moved into God territory. We're actually in the, in the place of condemnation. Whenever I say, hey, I saw you do this, now that's who you are forever. We make these permanent judgments about people's lives. Uh, whenever we look at somebody and be like, hey, you're doing that, that's hell. You, you are now outside of your, your courtroom and you're now in God's courtroom. You're sitting in God's seat. And Jesus says, be careful when you start moving into God's territories right here. Because to all that, Jesus says this in John 7, 24. He says, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. That's what we're actually called to do. I don't be like, hey, because you're black, you do this, or you're white, you do this, or Latino this, or male or female. No, I don't, because you got that, or you wear this, or whatever. No, we're moving past that to say like, hey, let's actually take what God has given us in the scriptures, and let's, let's, let's judge with a righteous judgment, which means this. Guys, in all grace and God's kindness, the blood of Jesus, praise God, has already been applied to your other brothers and sisters, okay? It is by grace, through faith, that we are saved, or else we could boast about it. So the blood of the risen Christ has already been applied to the other saints. So I'm not here to make a final judgment over your life. I'm not, because you're already saved by grace, through faith, not by works, the good works or the bad works. If your good works could get you in or your bad works could take you out, we don't need Jesus. Come on, we are saved by grace, through faith. The blood of Jesus has already been applied to everybody in this room who claims Christ, okay? So what our job is, is now to apply a righteous judgment in order to call people, our brothers and sisters, out of sin and upward into Christ-likeness. Out of sin and upward into Christ-likeness. So here's the question. How do we do that? How do we do that? How do we begin to make righteous judgments? Here's the first thing. It's a big thing. Jesus says this. We have to take the plank out of our own eye first. And nobody ever likes that. It's always really quiet. Nobody's like, amen, I'm terrible. <laughs> Listen, Jesus does want us to help our brothers and sisters get the sin specks out of their eyes, but what do we have to do first? We have to put the, the mask on the airplane on ourselves first before we try and put it on everybody else. He says, take the plank out of our own eye first. We have to deal with our own junk first. Here it is in the Amplified Version, Matthew 7, 3. Why do you look at the insignificant speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice and acknowledge the egregious log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me get the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First get the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly enough to take the speck out of your brother's eye. See, guys, here, here's, the, here's really the problem with this, is that we think we're perfect, but in the spirit, we're actually walking around like this. Hey, hey, amen, bless the Lord, hallelujah. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love seeing your praise. Come on, and then we're walking around, and we're like, hey, bro, I don't know if you noticed, but you got something in your eye. And they got this little thing. 
And you're like walking around with this bad boy. And here's the idea, guys. Too often, we are walking around with a magnifying glass instead of a mirror. Walking around like, oh, let's see whatever. Oh, what's my kid doing today? What's my friend doing today? Instead of like waking up and looking in the mirror. I actually met a woman after the last service. She said on her office desk is a little mirror. And it's there to remind her, look at yourself first. Look at yourself first. And this is what happens. Uh, if I haven't already stepped on your toe, I'm about to. We walk around and we're like, hey, hey, hey. We're like, I can't believe you're pro-choice. You don't care about children. And they're looking at you like, bro, you're on your third marriage. You don't even see your own kids. What they're really saying is deal with your own stuff first, bro. We walk, we walk around and we're like, hey, uh, I, uh, you know, I just need to speak to you for a second. I, uh, I noticed that you didn't lift your hands during worship. Um, first off, mind your own business. Second off, they're going to be like, hey, I noticed with your hands you were beating your children in the parking lot. Come on, somebody. Come on, it, it, is like, it is like a fat trainer trying to tell you how to get in shape. <laughs> and you're like, bro, you ain't smoking what you're selling. Come on, like, do you even believe this? Do you even believe this? You ain't even taking your own advice. Why should I take your advice? It's not working for you. And then we wonder why people don't wanna listen to us. Because 1 Corinthians 13, it says, hey, if you don't do it with love, there's just this clanging symbol. You're just beating the symbols in people's ears. Like, ah, get away from me. Because here's the reality, guys. Not only like, like, do people not want to listen, but when we have a plank in our eye, we end up hurting the people we're actually trying to help. Right? We're like, hey, let me help you. Whack. Hey, you're a sinner. Whack. Let me help you read your Bible better. Whack. And we're causing pain because we haven't processed our own pain first. And let, listen, 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 listen. Could it be, could it be that the reason why our spouse has a splinter in their eye is because they got it from the two by four in ours? And be like, why do you treat me like that? Da, da, da. And they're like, I don't know. Could there be a reason? Could it be that the reason why our kids have a splinter in their eye is because they got it from the two by four in ours? I see parents all the time. They're yelling at their kids. Why? Because their kids yell. I say this a lot. You can't spank yourself out of your kids because it's caught more than it's taught. Your kids watch you more than they listen to you, right? And I'll say this, guys. You cannot spank yourself out of your kids, but you can repent yourself out of your kids when you deal with yourself first. We apply Jesus' teachings to us first because here's what I know everybody's doing right now. Everybody's doing this right now. Oh, gosh, I wish Jessica was here because she a mess up. She a mess. She needs to be hearing this. She needs to be hearing this. All the ladies are like, oh, I wish my good-for-nothing husband was listening because he needs to know I got my speck in my eye because he's been mistreating me for like 25 years. As valid as that is, what if we let God's word wash over us first before we try and wash other people with it? Apply it to ourselves first before we try and just kind of plank eye everybody else. We got to do, listen, we got to deal with our own prejudices we gotta deal with our critical spirit. We gotta deal with our own misunderstanding of the scriptures. We gotta deal with our own sins before we humbly approach others. But here's what I don't want you to misunderstand. And it is, there's a nuance to this, okay? Because how some way may misunderstand this is understanding, well, if that's the case, I can never talk to anybody. Because who am I, right? Here's what I'm saying. It's not that we can't help other people until we're perfect. It's that we can't help other people when we think we're perfect. When we walk around like we're perfect, dude, I, I promise you, nobody wants to listen to a word that you say. Nobody wants to listen to that. 
don't walk away thinking that you can't talk to somebody until you're perfect because I, bad news, that day will never come. Nobody bats a thousand except for Jesus. Come on. Humble yourself, look in the mirror, and then move to step two. So how do we actually operate in righteous judgment? We gotta take the plank out of our own eye. And the second thing is this, then we have to help others with the speck in theirs. We gotta correct our brothers and sisters in love. And guys, I'm saying this, I, 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 I say this, and I just pray that God does the right thing with it. We need more Christ followers who love others enough to hold them accountable to be who they say they are. If you wear the name Christ and thank God that we can bear that name, then our life should be on that path. I'm not saying we're perfect, but are we on the path? And here's what I mean. Gluttony, gossip, greed, hatred, offense, rebellion, sexual sin, witchcraft, manifesting, idolatry, syncretism, meaning I want God and something else too. It has no place in the people of God. It has no place in the people of God. In James 5, I love this. This is, what, this is what motivates my heart here, James 5, 19. He says, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them in, from death and will cover over a multitude of sins. Guys, here's the question. Do you love your brothers and sisters enough to remind them of who they are? and to help them come back to Christ? If so, this is what it may look like, and this is actually one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, Jude 22 and 23. Here's what he says. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Here's what he's saying. Approach each situation with the required means of dealing with that situation. In other words, guys, this is eye surgery. You don't deal with eye surgery with an ax. You deal with it with tweezers. But too many of us are, are, are using a one-size-fits-all sort of approach, and we're trying to ax everybody. Listen, there are some people you just need to put an arm around, be slow, be gentle, talk with them, walk them through it. This is delicate surgery. There are other people who are in a burning building. You can't be slow and gentle and humble with somebody who's about to die. Come on, family. Listen, this is some of our kids. This is some of our friends. Some of the people who've left the church. This is, this is what this is. Listen, if, if, if your friend's house is on fire, you're not gonna stand outside and be like, hey man, I, was just, I just noticed your house on fire. And I was just, I mean, no, I'm not here to judge. I'm just saying. And they're asleep. Like, I was just, I don't know if, I mean, do you wanna meet like on Wednesday? I don't know. I mean, no, bro, you're about to kick in that door. You're about to drag them kicking and screaming out into the yard to save their life. Do what needs to be done. Come on. Why? Because this is a do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Right? Get the plank out of your own eye. But then listen, there are some serious things that are happening out there in the world with the other saints. And what we have to do, what undergirds, what's the foundation for all this, guys, is the humility. This is, this is why Jesus begins the entire Sermon on the Mount with be poor in spirit. Be poor in spirit. And I believe this. There's a reason why the Sermon on the Mount is Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7, right? There's a reason why Jesus puts do not judge two-thirds of the way through the Sermon on the Mount, right? We've already got two-thirds of it underneath our belt because I believe that this is what Jesus knows. At this point in the journey, many of us are actually starting to enter into what I would just call a Sermon on the Mount lifestyle. Right, Like we've walked through the Beatitudes. We, 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 we begin actually suffering persecution and enduring it well. Maybe some of us are sharing the faith in ways that we haven't before. We're beginning to pray in ways that we haven't before. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. We're actually handling money different than we did before. We're storing up treasures in heaven instead of treasures on earth. And if we're not careful from that place of newfound Christ-likeness, we will turn around and judge everybody else. And Jesus says, guys, be careful. Be careful. Don't forget who you used to be. Because there's a whole lot of us pretending like we ain't got a past too. And where would we be if it was not for the grace of God? 
This is the God who rescued us out of the miry pit and set our feet upon the rock. This is why Pastor Mo brought the word last week because I believe this. You cannot do Matthew 7, 1, do not judge rightly until you first do Matthew 7, 11, which is the fact that we have a good God, a good father who lives to, loves to give good gifts to his children. And God has showered those gifts upon our lives and we can never forget who we used to be. That I've been, I've been rescued, I've been redeemed, I've been saved. God's mercy has been shown upon me. Listen, Vody Bosham is the one who said, it is God's mercy that woke you up this morning because his judgment should have killed you last night. Where would we be if it wasn't for the grace, the kindness, the mercy of God that even while I was a sinner, he died for me. Even while I was his enemy, he pursued me. Even when I cursed him, he loved me. And that's why Charles Spurgeon said this. I love this. He says, while others are congratulating themselves, I have to sit humbly at the foot of the cross and marvel that I'm just saved at all. Yeah. Listen, guys, I ain't got time to judge nobody. All I got is gratitude. All I got is gratitude. Because I, I sometimes need to be reminded of who I would be without the cross. He walks with me. He loves me. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He, he, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He walks with me through the valley of the shadow of death. He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And it's from that place that now I can approach others. Listen, when you approach another brother or sister as, as a brother or sister who's only been saved by grace, it changes everything. Guys, a friend of mine got a splinter in his eye one time, and he actually told me about the process. He said the doctor walked in, he washed his hands. He spoke to him kindly. He said what he was about to do. He put pain medication on it, and he got his tweezers, this tweezer sort of instrument, and he came in. He said, but, but every time he, he got near, my eyes were trying to close. This is delicate. This is sensitive. He said, but since I trusted him, I let him touch it. Take that and put it in the spirit. How do we help somebody get the sin speck out of their eyes? Guys, we gotta be conscious of our own sins. We wash our hands, look in the mirror, take the plank out of our eye. We talk to them in a private place, in a private way, just between you and them. And listen, guys, when I see that sin, I don't feel like condemning. I actually feel like weeping because I know what it was like when I was there. But what motivates me is the joy that I have being set free from that same sin. I know what it used to be like to be under that condemnation, that addiction. And so what motivates me is the joy set before me and before them. Can I actually be used by the God of all gods to actually help to set this person free? And I approach it with clean hands, with a pure heart, lovingly come in with two by four free eyes so I can see rightly to say, hey man, can I talk to you about this? Can we talk about this? Can I call you out of sin and upwards towards Christ-likeness? And then I put an arm around their shoulder and say, not only am I gonna talk to you from afar, I'm gonna walk with you from up close. Let's walk it out together. Let's walk it out together because I'm your friend. I'm your friend. How do we make righteous judgment? We gotta get the two by four out of our own life. We gotta lovingly correct our brothers and sisters. Then the third thing, we have to welcome correction from our brothers and sisters. <sighs> Guys, correction is not a one-way street. If you are the only one doing all the correcting, whoop, 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 whoop. Danger, danger. Danger, Pharisee, danger. Bro, you ain't batting a thousand, I'm telling you. And if you're like, oh man, I just gotta correct everybody, oh, these guys are such big screw ups. <laughs> Mirror. And sometimes by his grace and kindness, God will send you people. God will send people your way. Sometimes they're called your wife. <laughs> or your husband. To lovingly call you out and call you up. Guys, correcting is not just something we do for others. It's something we welcome in our own life. This is why we need proximity. 
Here's the, here's the, the weird thing in church world because it's such a consumer mentality and I, I'm not putting that on you, I'm putting it onto the person next to you. <laughs> but a lot, of, a lot of people today in church think I'm the one who God sent to correct them. I don't have proximity to you. I can only kind of bring it, bring it up, right? But it's the people in your life. This is why we need community. Iron sharpening iron. This is why you need a small group. Because you're not an island. You're not an island. You can't live by only God can judge me. Nobody else. No, listen, man. Listen, listen, listen. Don't make it hard when somebody comes to you to talk about stuff. That's, that takes a lot of boldness. It takes a lot of courage. Don't, don't, don't have retribution towards it. Don't attack them. This isn't your time to tell them how they're wrong. No, be slow to speak. Be quick to listen. Listen, you would not believe in this role how many people correct me all the time, okay? I love you guys. I love y'all. I mean, people do it everywhere. And they come up and they're like, you do this and you do that and you do that. And, and there's part of me that wants to be like, oh, wow, okay, you can just leave. Um, <laughs> but the Jesus part of me uh, says, no, listen, even, even if I don't agree with you, I'm gonna listen because there might at least be 5% right. For real. I can, we can grow from anybody. We can grow from anybody that God sends our way, okay? Be correctable. Be correctable. Don't set up a system where nobody feels like they can never come to you. And I'm gonna read you a verse, and it's, it's one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible because it preaches a whole sermon. Proverbs 12.1 says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction... <laughs> stupid. <laughs> stupid. I didn't call you Stupid. God called you stupid. <laughs> Preaches a whole sermon right there. No, listen, here, here's, here's, here's what I mean. Here's what I think God meant. Is when you've chosen to isolate yourself, when you say in essence, I'm God, nobody can touch me. Nobody can correct me. I'm always right. I, I, I sit in the judgment seat. He said, you are on a stupid, foolish path heading towards destruction. Because listen, guys, I, there, there is a, I, the best way I know how to say it is this. There is a rebellious, individualistic, godless spirit of the age that says all beliefs are right, we tolerate, we accept. Who are you to tell me I'm wrong? Only God can judge me. And to anybody today who would say, only God can judge me, that's terrifying. To anybody who says, only God can judge me, that should scare the living daylights out of you. Only God can judge you? So you're gonna say, I, I'm not gonna listen to anybody until I get to heaven. Then me and God will work it out. No, that's when the judgment comes. Because God can judge you. And by his grace and his kindness, he sent other saints into your path to partner with the Holy Spirit to lead you in the path of righteousness and life everlasting. Don't wait until the end to be judged. Listen, guys, fall on the rock or the rock will fall on you. And we've got to stop playing patty cake with sin. We've, stopped, we've got to stop spurring any sort of correction that God brings into our life. It is his kindness that tries to lead us to repentance. And I just need to say this, guys. In kindness, in love, is that if you're somebody who claims Christ, yet you live by, I will live however I want to, I will reject Christ by how I live, I will reject correction from other Christians, I will judge everybody else, and I will still call myself a Christian. Nothing about that says Christian. False. False. And I, God alone knows the heart, but on the outside, everything says danger. And I'm just gonna say this, guys, lovingly as your pastor, the kindest thing that God may do for some of us today is to show you that you're not a Christian. Because a Christian is not somebody who prayed a prayer when they're four Christian is not somebody whose aunt was a, was a Christian, and so I just inherited it. No, a Christian is somebody who bows their knee to the lordship of Jesus Christ, who trusts him in faith for the forgiveness of their sins, not by their own works, who picks up their cross and follows him. 
And the kindest thing that God may do for some of us today is to show you that you're not a Christian. Why is that so kind? Because now at least you know and the deception's gone. And it's good news because the door is still open and the blood has not lost its power and the tomb is still empty and there's still time today in the land of the living to bow your knee to the living Christ, to confess him as Lord and King and Master and to pick up your cross and follow him as his disciple. And guys, today, today, Jesus says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And let me just be honest, I don't know about you, but if I was wandering from the faith, if I had entered into this rebellious lifestyle, come on guys, if I was hurting other people and I didn't know it, or if I was hurting other people and I did know it, I would want another saint to kindly come to me and put their arm around my shoulder be like, bro, I love you enough to call you into the character of the Christ that you claim. I love you enough to have this conversation with you. And today I'm gonna call you out and I'm gonna call you up. And family, today is that moment. Today is that moment. This is the moment to repent. This is the moment to pick up your cross, to claim Christ Lord, to be corrected first by the Holy Spirit. And then on the other side of today, to open up our life to the correction of the other saints in love, in kindness, done the right way, removing the two by four from our own eyes. But here's, here's the challenge, guys. What would it do if the people of God, if the church of Jesus was actually known as a humble, repentant, earnest, and honest people once again? Come on, guys, this is not the legacy of today's church. The legacy of today's church is a bunch of hypocrites. But what would it actually do to the fame of Christ in our city if the church of Jesus was known as a people who are humble, who are correctable, who are willing to be called back to Christ-likeness, who open themselves up and who love radically doing to one another as they would want to be done to them? Today is that day, and this is that moment. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. God, it is the kindness that you show to us that leads us to repentance. And so, Father, right now, I pray that the Holy Spirit would do one of the things that the Holy Spirit does best, that he would kindly and gently show us where we're falling short, to call us to conviction, not condemnation, and to bring us back to the heart of God. God, for anybody today who's living by only God can judge me, God, I pray the sobriety of that statement will begin sinking in, that there is a judgment day coming out there. And so let us receive correction today. God, I pray right now that you would forgive us for our critical spirits. God, that many, many of us, were not known by our love. We're known as being a hypocrite. God, I pray today over the next few minutes, you would give us the grace to remove the two by four from our own eyes, to deal with ourselves in the mirror before we endeavor to help our brothers and sisters grow in Christ-likeness. Here's the reality today, though, guys. In his grace and his kindness, God has actually pointed out to some of us that we're really not Christians. We've been wearing the name Christ, but not living the way of Christ. And today, by his kindness and his grace, he's shown us that the door is open, <laughs> that the day of repentance is today, the day of faith is today, the, the day of new life is today. It's calling you into the kingdom. But what it looks like is turning our back on the old way and claiming Christ as Lord, opening up our lives to the correction of the Holy Spirit and to one another, living a life of faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And today, if that's your day, here's what I want you to do, just unashamedly say, today I choose Christ. Just raise up your hand. Just say, today, God, I choose Christ. I'm leaving my old way, God. I'm choosing Christ. And so today, guys, with our hands raised, many of us were stepping into the kingdom. Maybe we've just kind of been, been going to church, but we've never actually been living in the kingdom. Today's that day. And so we're gonna pray. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer and family of God around these guys. Let's pray. Let's pray like this. Say, Jesus, today I confess that you are Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. So right now, I repent of my sin, my greed, my pride, my lust, 
my darkness. I leave it behind and I walk into the light and I receive Jesus Christ as Lord, Son of God, slain for me, rose for me so I can live a new life. From this moment forward, Jesus Christ is King. I am not. <laughs> you are God. I am not. I don't follow my way. I follow your way for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, 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 amen. But here's what we're gonna do, okay? We're gonna take another step. We're gonna take another step. We're gonna linger right here. This is, I've, I've been praying for this moment the entire week, guys. I think this could be the most important moment for some of us, so please don't leave. We're gonna have a moment where the man's gonna just lead us in a worship moment, okay? But this is our moment to have a line in the sand. This is our moment to say, I'm not gonna play with sin any longer. This is our moment to say, God, I'm gonna repent. I'm gonna allow the Holy Spirit to hold the mirror up to me and I'm gonna deal with it. God, I'm gonna allow you to deal with my critical spirit. God, I'm gonna allow you to deal with my inner Pharisee. God, I'm gonna allow you to deal with the fact I've been sleeping with my girlfriend. I've been looking over here. I've been lusting after money, whatever that is. Guys, we gotta stop playing patty cake with sin because it's not playing patty cake with us. It wants your soul. It wants your soul. And I'm praying that over this, just this next short season that the fear of the Lord would enter back into our midst. And so the, the band's gonna lead us in this moment. So let's just do this. Let's go ahead and stand up to our feet. I believe that posture matters in a moment like this. We've got about five minutes, okay? We have five minutes. And God, what I'm praying is that the Holy Spirit would come and do what the Holy Spirit does best. You would convict us, call us out, love us. You would heal us right here in this place. And you would bring us to the place of repentance, turning of turning from sin and turning towards Christ. Family, so here's what we're gonna do, okay? I had you stand up for a reason because I believe the posture matters. So some of you, when the band starts playing, you may need to sit back down and just deal with it. Others of you, lean forward. Others of you, put your hands in there. Others of you, get on your knees. Others of you, you need to meet me down for, front right here, okay? And just have an altar moment and just say, God, I'm tired of it. Summer and I have had to do this. We've had to grab each other's hands and we've had to come forward in a moment like this and say, we're corporately together confessing and committing that we're leaving this sin behind us. And so I'm just telling you, whatever, however the Lord leads you in this next moment, deal with it because you don't wanna leave with what you brought in. By the kindness of God, let's have a freedom moment right here and let's surrender, amen.